So we're back. It has, oh God. It's been a very interesting last couple of months. I would always be getting in these different grooves and momentums, which is how I have 15 unreleased episodes. Because this podcast was so important to me, it was so much harder to put the time into it because the fear of failing at something that you love so much is very petrifying at times. I'm back in that groove. Enough about me, let's get to the special guest, Audrey Holcomb, who you may know as Eden from Stranger Things season four, because it is a special Stranger Things week. One little disclaimer, I have a tendency to meander in my questions. It's gonna sound like the guests are cutting me off. They're not doing that. I'm cutting myself off and editing because I take- I know Tristan because I played Eden in Stranger Things, and this is my first time getting to meet him, so I'm excited yes. to be here and talk. I did a little bit of at least an IMDb check. I saw that Stranger Things was one of your first, like, big projects, similar to me, so I thought we might be able to connect on kind of having a first big project be such a big show. What was it like getting something so big that in many ways has been like your breakout role. It's been, it's been crazy. I mean, I'm sure that you can relate to this, but it's like showing up on a set with all of those people. Like, I think the crew, like when you look on IMDb to see like your yeah. connections, it's like 800 people connect you and it's like massive. But I also was such a big fan of the show forever. Like I remember what, like binging the first season in two days and then every time a new season would Dang. come out, my family and I would watch together. So it's like full circle, it feels like. Cause it also was one of the first things I ever auditioned for was season one of Stranger Things. Really? Yeah. So it is pretty crazy to like have that end up being one of the first things I've done. What um, did you read for in season one? I don't know. I think it was like Dummy Sides. The name wasn't a name of a character that ended up being in the actual show. Okay, but also okay. for my audition for Eden, it was Dummy Sides. So I have no idea. It's a mysterious Same. process. They had me read for like Billy scenes from like the season oh. three uh, or no, I think it was season two. What was the whole identity process as you were going on set and being like a, a big working actor for the first time? Like, did you notice any weird shifts? I think in the moment, it was like, I felt very intimidated because I sort of struggled a little bit with like some imposter syndrome stuff. So I was like, am I supposed to be here? Did they accidentally cast the wrong actor? Um, <laughs> but then after the fact, after I had the experience, I was like, oh, that was actually one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. And it made me feel very secure and knowing what I want to do and what is exciting to me. Actually being there, it was scary, but after the fact, it made me feel more secure in myself that I had had such a great experience and felt I had that direction. Yeah, this confirms kind of one of my, my theories. A lot of people talk about how you get your breakout role and then everything kind of falls into place. And some of it is you finally have a little bit of a resume so that people feel comfortable taking a chance on you. But another part of it is just how you carry yourself. Did you feel like, of course, you had the imposter syndrome when you were first on set. Did you ease into that kind of, oh, I deserve to be here. This is the right path for me. Yeah, I mean, everybody was just so nice on the set. I'm sure you had a similar experience, but they were just very welcoming and like the crew and the cast. And I think as I got into it and we were shooting, I was like, oh, this really is like, even though they're all of like the bells and whistles and it's this huge Netflix project, it's just a bunch of people creating something. 
Um, exactly. So, yeah. So you kind of re- like after you get past like the first sort of intimidation level, you kind of ease into it and realize, oh, we're all just making something together and everybody wants it to be good. So so it kind of demystified the process in a way. You book Eden, of course. Let's talk a little bit about your journey to that. How long had you been auditioning before finally booking that role? I think my first audition, I was 14 or 15. And I'm 22 now, so it's been many years. But yeah, I was just sort of auditioning in like the Southeast region because I'm from Atlanta pretty inconsistently because I also, I don't know when you started acting, but when I was 15, there wasn't much out there because I think it's becoming less like this. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of stuff casting that wanted like actual 15-year-olds to play 15-year-olds. It's like they want over 18 for a teenager typically. Mm -hmm. I think Stranger Things has like kind of been the exception to that. And then as I got older, casting directors in Atlanta sort of started to like recognize my name, I guess. So that sort of picked up a little bit, particularly with uh, Tara Feldstein and Chase Paris, who they cast um, Stranger Things in the Southeast region. I got to go in and read with them for a few different projects. And I finally got to find one that felt that felt right or felt right to them, I guess. So mm-hmm. I was very excited about that. You're in LA right now, right? So did you grow up in Atlanta or were you there primarily for film? I was born in Alabama. I lived there for one year. I've never been back, so I don't know anything about it. But then when I was one, my family and I moved to Atlanta and lived there until I turned 18. And then I went to school in upstate New York. Then COVID hit, back to Atlanta. Now I'm in LA. So yes, the the answer is yes. (laughs) Okay. So first, you went to New York to attend which school? Bard College. Bard College. I've heard of that. I think a few of my friends went there. Yeah, Um, it's like arty, liberal arts. So have you you always wanted to be in the film industry or in acting? I can't remember a time where I wanted to do anything else. I mean, I think when I was little, I would tell people that like I wanted to be an actor and a singer, but I can't sing. So (laughs) I got rolled out. There's always been an interest in acting for me, and I think like the first time that I got to like do it was like sort of those like school plays in sixth grade and fifth grade. And I was like, this is it. So I started like going to camps and taking classes and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this, this feels right. There was a period of time I'm remembering now where I said I wanted to be an author. And I actually think that's interesting because I feel like sort of the draw of acting and writing or like reading and literature is kind of similar to me and I'm really interested in like character analysis and psychology and I remember taking like a psychology course my freshman year of college and I thought that it would just be like analyzing people but then it was like actually memorizing things and science um so I was like oh this is this is why I love acting because I like to like I'm just interested in people and like people's psyches and like picking people's brains so I think there are a lot of like interests that I have that are similar to acting but none of them like materialize as much as in acting or theater or drama or what have you. That's honestly what I find so fascinating about acting is literally everything can connect to it. You can grab something from pretty much any career path, any any experience you have and find some type of way to inject that in some form or fashion. So you say you wanted to at one point be an author. What kind of books inspired you? Um, This was when I was like 10 and 11. So at that point, it was like Harry Potter all the time. Yes. What's your house? 
my house. Well, I've taken, okay. I've taken the test a couple of times and it's changed. Uh-huh. I got Hufflepuff for years and now I'm getting Ravenclaw. What about you? Interesting. So it's actually really fun. Sorry. So my AC, I didn't have on, so it didn't disrupt with audio. Uh-huh. And then I put this long sleeve shirt on, which I immediately regret. But <laughs> What's funny is I kid you not, I was wearing a Ravenclaw Quidditch t- shirt underneath <laughs> before I was like, oh, wait, I want to change it to something like unique and different. Let me put my Jack alone shirt on. So are you but a Ravenclaw? No. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> one of my family members thought I was a Ravenclaw because I read all the time. And mm-hmm. so for Christmas one year, they just got me like a Ravenclaw Quidditch shirt. And so I have Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, but I'm primarily Hufflepuff. So like Hufflepuff Sun, Ravenclaw Rising situation. Exactly. Interesting. <laughs> so are, are you wanna are you into astrology and all that kind of stuff? I don't not a whole lot but I have a lot of Uh friends that know a lot about astrology so I sort of get some intel on it um but some of it is really interesting what is your Mm -hmm. what is your sign I won't be able to analyze I just ask people anyways because so many of my friends are obsessed with like zodiac signs and astrology I've just stumbled into knowing a crap ton about stuff that's who I am exactly I know I'm a Leo in that my Mars is in Scorpio. Everything else, I'm not like one. I, I tell people I'm a Mars and Scorpio. They're like, oh, you're so intense and mysterious. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The Scorpio uh-huh. is what's scary. But I don't actually know what Mars means like in your chart. I just... Each planet rules like a different aspect of yourself. So I think Mars is like how you respond to conflict or, or something like that. Everyone that likes astrology listening is going to write in the comments, be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. What what sign are you? I'm a Cancer, Can- which is very much So you, you feel everything. You're in the right I career do. path. I do. I have my chart. Apparently, it's like all Cancer. So yeah. have you always been able to just snap your fingers and cry on cue? Honestly, not as much as I've gotten older, but when I was like 12, 13, I could cry at anything. Like really? I could drop something and burst into tears. I think I was just a very emotionally charged 12 year old. So mm-hmm. I've kind of like settled into being an adult and I'm kind of like losing that ability, but I'm, I'm trying to find like the sort of emotional channels to access now. Because it used to come so easy when I was little. You might, this is just me being like armchair psychologist, but why do you think it's become harder to access that as you've grown older? When you're younger, you sort of have less of like a bulletproof vest on from the world. Like you're just sort of experiencing things and being affected by them. And I think as you get older, you're more like experiencing things and thinking about how people are perceiving you being affected by them, if that makes sense. So I feel like you kind of lose that sort of sense of just like presence, I guess. I don't know. That's just a, that's just a hypothesis. I constantly talk about how I noticed that so many people tend to idolize the way that they were when they were kids, because it was this pure imaginative innocence where they didn't let all the expectations that they believe other people place on them, determine how they act or determine how they just move through the world. So kind of going into your time in New York, how long did you go to college before the pandemic brought you back home? I was there for about a year and a half. And I remember the day that everybody was like gossiping about like, I think we're going to be sent home for like two weeks. 
and like I said bye to all of my friends and I was like yeah. see you in two weeks and then some of them I haven't seen since um, and some of them I saw like a year later yeah I was just there for a little short period of time what kind of personal um, changes do you think started happening when you went from being engaging with people going to class every day and then everything shuts down and now everything is exclusively through zoom uh, it was so hard for me to like stay engaged in my classes and then just in my life I think I'm sure everybody felt like this to an extent but just like there's something lacking I'm like the most extroverted introvert that you could be um so <laughs> fist bump there you go same um, <laughs> So it was not a good experience for me being separated from like people and like, I don't know, I think like the interactions that you have with like acquaintances or people that you like kind of know, but don't know totally. I think those are like really important for at least my mental health, getting outside and seeing faces. Those were things that I was really craving after mm -hmm. like two weeks. I guess, what was the process for you like coming out of that isolation that a lot of people experience through the phase of all zoom and re because I feel like a lot of people had to in some ways rebuild their community and yeah. did you have to experience that especially going from Atlanta to LA I'm sure that was a huge transition as well it really was rebuilding a community or building it for the first time because I kind of started like socially seeing people again when I moved to LA mm -hmm. like that was when I first started like kind of leaving the house and like hanging out indoors with other people. I had like, I was lucky enough to have like a couple friends in LA. The rest of it, it was, it was so weird. Like I remember moving in with my roommates here. I'd never met them before. And it was like my first time being inside with people and like, months that wasn't my family really? and they were like strangers that I met on the internet but they were lovely and great so it worked out but yeah it was definitely a weird feeling it felt like riding a bike like I had to readjust to being a human being again because mm -hmm. you don't have to be a human being in the same way when you're living in your parents <laughs> house you know oh you for sure wherever like, back to your like teenage self it's interesting how we surround ourselves with like the people from our past and all of a sudden it's like our self-esteem, whether positive or negative comes back and all of the old insecurities start coming out. So it is interesting. One one cool thing is specifically my bud, Nick, uh, Nick Homstra, I'm going to give him a shout out. I need to interview him soon. He's such a lovely, beautiful human. It was super cool because we went to college. We had all of these experiences and then we were able to somehow come like back together when I moved back to Texas. It was like both not missing a beat in the sense of the connection was the exact same. It had this weird, like youthful energy, yet we were still like fundamentally new, different people. So it was cool kind of seeing the different versions of ourselves come together in an interesting way. All that to say, um, one of the big important things that started benefiting my acting was getting reinvolved with community because I started to see how distinctly different those dynamics and friendships are and apply that to my work. What ways did you notice your acting started to shift as you started re-engaging around the people in your life? I was lucky enough that I, my roommate and her boyfriend are both actors as well. So kind of being around other actors and people that are mm. like as excited about like watching, going to the movies together or just like discussing and like picking apart something and 
sort of being able to like scratch that itch was so exciting to me. And it kind of like reinvigorated that like passion that I do have for acting. Again, for me, acting does sort of come from like that sort of psychological fascination, just people in general and like what can vary from person to person and what is like universal. Um, so I think just being around people again and being around friends or even strangers was exciting to me because you sort of like lose touch with that when you're in your little bubble for so long. When you say it reinvigorated your passion, was there a period where you got burned out and you had to kind of rediscover that love? Um, I don't think I got burnt out, but I think that I got maybe a little bit like jaded because, you know, it can be hard when you're not booking anything or like working consistently. Um, and this was all before I booked Stranger Things. So I was just feeling a little bit like down about the industry. And I was like, the clock is ticking. My time is mm. going to run out, like <laughs> culture of scarcity. Um, yeah. So I think just like being reminded of the things about it that I do love and that I am passionate about. It's like, oh, this is why I'm here. Like kind of stopping thinking about myself as an actor and just starting to like be an actor again. We do live in this bubble sometimes as actors where everything is just filtered through our own experiences and it becomes very specific, but not always in a way that's like very malleable. Exactly. So I'm I'm in, self, self-contained. That's exactly the word I was looking for. It becomes so self-contained and it, it is hard to kind of reach out of that until you're intentional about reaching out of that. When it comes to like that process of reinvigorating that passion, was it a gradual thing? Was there like a distinct moment where everything clicked? You were like, oh, this is why I do it. I think it probably was more of a gradual thing. I mean, I think I go through moments like that sometimes where like I'm not working and it like I'm like dying to just get out there and do something. And I've now started to be able to find like things in my life that I know that I can like look to, to reinvigorate that. Like I've been mm-hmm. reading a Meisner book right now and it's been super fascinating and it's something that I'm passionate about and something I'm excited to pick up. And just like the fact that I like look forward to opening it up and taking little notes in the margins, like that tells me that this is something that I love and that I care about. And then also there was a period a few months ago where I was just feeling a little bit down. So I just started, I just enrolled in an acting class in LA and I did that for a couple months and being able to like get out there and do something, even if it's not like in a work environment, but like taking a class or like discussing things with friends or like analyzing movies with friends, just there's so many things that you can do on your own that can sort of fulfill you in that way that are within your control those are the things that are the most helpful to me because so much of it is out of your control and out of your hands. I love that. So finding, finding essentially where you can lay anchor so that you're not waiting for people to ask you to audition or offer you an opportunity. You're starting to create some of your own opportunities. The thing that just hit me is it's almost like you've shifted from waiting for opportunities to realizing that everything is an opportunity in the sense of everything's an opportunity to grow, to learn and finding interest in that more than like, and that that's one thing that I notice is a lot of actors, they start to get that breakthrough when they start looking at like 
auditioning as part of the work instead of trying to get the work. One thing I would love to talk about, because I want to see how how paralleled we are. You're saying a lot of things that I've internalized, and I'm trying not to just repeat exactly what you said, (laughs) but I'm like, I've been thinking all of this so much. Probably Um, articulate it better. So go ahead. Oh, definitely not. I feel like I'm so all over the place. This is actually my first interview I've done in probably like four months. Um, So I feel like I'm a little out of the loop in a way. So um, is why so. I mean, it just feels like a conversation, which is like the best. I mean, I don't know, but to me, it feels like the best thing that. And it's cool because we don't really know each other. We just inadvertently work together. So people are being able to hear us actually like bond and um, kind of become friends in a way. That being said, you may get off this call and be like, oh my God, he's so meandering. I hate him. I never want to talk to him again. But um, I block your number. (laughs) I know, right? Um, You film Stranger Things. What was it like when you rapped? Did you have those big like oh crap, what's next? What I do after this? Because there was so much time in between rapping and when it was released. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't able to say anything about my involvement. What was it like having to hold that in, knowing that this is your big break, just waiting out there that in some ways it feels like you're waiting on, but it's hard to not, it's it's hard to realize you can't wait on it while having it there in the background. What, what was that process? I felt like after after we wrapped, especially after, because for me, it was like a, almost a year and a half before it came Same. out. Yeah. yeah that, so I sort of felt like I was like, is that real? Like, did that actually even happen? And then I got to a point where I was like, it just felt so like separate from like the life that I was living that I was like, oh, they're probably going to cut me out. Like, just like oh. kind of like being like a little cynical about it. Like, uh, it's like it. I'm, I'm barely in it for two seconds, like just kind of like downplaying it to myself because I don't think I wanted to get too excited about like what it could mean or what it could be or like in case, you know, I felt bad about my scenes or like I didn't do a good job. You did incredible, and, by the way. Thank you. So did you. So did you. I was so excited to talk to you and I wanted to compliment you, but I don't want to derail the conversation. But you're you were incredible and shocking to me how nice you are. Um, <laughs> Everyone says I, that. Yeah, you're a, you're a very nice guy and you play a very um, nasty guy. But Oh yeah. I <laughs> What do you mean? I beat up little girls for fun in my real life. <laughs> also, something that I wanted to like bring up to you is and I was wondering if like this was on your mind at all cuz I know that for me I only got like the mo- the scenes that I was in. I didn't get the rest of the scripts. I was really interested in your character and Angela's character sort of as like parallels of each other. Did you have you thought about this at all? I'm so so in my day-to-day life, I somehow have found myself in some aspects being a leader in like a couple ways, but most of the time I'm just a blatant follower. I didn't think about that until I heard someone else talk about that. And of course, as soon as they're like, hey, did you notice that you and Angela had those parallels? I was like, oh, wow, that actually is brilliant. Because my my mentor, EA Castillo, they hate when I refer to them as my mentor because we're also just really, really good friends. But my mentor, EA Castillo, was like, y'all were like, basically foils to each other where she was like the very like overt 80s kind 
and then i was the very like subversive dark kind of like uh bullying so it it was interesting how they kind of paralleled but yeah i had no idea about any of that and one of the things that makes stranger things so exciting to me is like even though there's all of this like you know there's the upside down and there's the demogorgon and there's these science experiments and it's like crazy and zany and like hard to believe but then it's also so grounded in like the real human experience and that's what I thought was so interesting about your two roles in parallel to each other was like Angela is like this very real world, like high school student who, you know, you could experience in real life. And then yeah. your character is just the specific, there's probably nobody in real life who has that background, you know? Um, yeah. So obviously, so I just think it's interesting that it's like kind of whatever environment you put these children in they can sort of sort of still have those same impulses, you know, for whatever mm -hmm. reason or those behaviors. And obviously yours were darker because they, you had powers that Angela did not have like in a different way. Thank goodness. <laughs> can you imagine yeah. Angela with powers? Oh, I know. Oh, uh. <laughs> speaking on that, you might not have known when they cast you, you of course, I'm sure knew on set. What was it like basically being the backstory of an already established character like Susie? Well, I actually auditioned, you mentioned you auditioned with Billy's sides. I auditioned with Susie's sides from um, season three, which interesting. was interesting. So I kind of had like a little bit of an inkling that like maybe this character is either similar or in some way related. I thought it was interesting that these characters are like polar opposites. Eden and Susie are still related and still sort of connected in that way. It's like, what can this environment like produce in a child. That actually reminds me of some praise that I really wanted to give you. I don't know if this was your intentional choice or if it was the direct. Did you work with Nimrod? Yes. Yes. He is my favorite director I've ever worked with in my entire oh, life. I so love that great. so much. Um, he's, he's like so, the most. He's the most like supportive and like actor loving kind of director I've ever I've ever worked with everyone else was great I just wanted to specifically give him shout outs because I love I just I love him so much I want to just I would be his like assistant on a project yeah. just to work with him just nice to, exactly all that to say I think the most interesting and cinematic thing that actors don't always explore is contrast. And I love that you talked about how you and Susie were those polar opposites. Was it your intentional choice to be so contrasting in a way that was just so dynamic on screen? Or was it like a way that you were led? I feel like there was sort of that. So after I did the Susie sides, there was another scene. It was like Eden and instead of like screaming and running, through, she's just like, head banging to metal, <laughs> thrash metal in her room. Okay, I I understand like the subculture that this person is a part of. So mm -hmm. I understood that at least like aesthetically and in terms of like what subcultures they're a part of, these characters were very different. The actual script and what was given to me that also felt pretty clear. So I think I was just kind of trying to deliver what I thought was best and made most sense for the character. But I also didn't want her to be like, straight like crazy goth girl like cruel to her family so I thought like with the Argyle scenes I sort of wanted her to kind of be affected by that and like kind of have a crush on him to like show that she does have feelings and mm -hmm. she's just and she's just like being the caretaker of this ridiculous like chaotic family she is a bit of a black sheep I think too which is a very 
I, I think that that in a lot of ways can mean that you're a sensitive person if you're a black sheep of the family. Although they did kind of like lead me in the way of like this contrast with Susie, I also wanted her to be like a full person in mm-hmm. her own right. I'm I'm obsessed with contrast. I talk about contrast in everything. What you did such a good job of as well is like you said, you had that kind of like, ah, oh, head banging, everything was going a little crazy. And then the moments with Argyle, you were so still and you just let your eyes reveal exactly what you said, reveal that you you had those actual feelings and the stillness of that eye contact contrasted and made it look so phenomenal against the chaos of everything else going around. So that that was just, you, you did such a good job with that. And I love, the, this is going to lead into a conversation that is going to seem superficial on the outset, but I have a deeper reason for wanting to bring it up. I know when I like originally reached out to you, you had like, I think it was like a hundred and 50,000 followers or something like that. And it's already skyrocketed to 200,000. And I, I bring that up for a couple of reasons. One, you were in just a couple of scenes and yet people fell in love with you. What has it been like? Because I also had a similar explosion and I feel like there are so many like nuanced feelings that come with all of this like newfound attention. How has your relationship to all of that adapted and, and changed over the course of the show being released? I don't know like what your how you felt going into it. But I was it was like the last that I was like maybe like a thousand people will follow me or something. And then it was kind of overwhelming at first. And I I had like a couple of nights where I was like, should I delete Instagram? Because I was like, I was like scared to have that many eyes. It's really just very flattering that that many people like were interested in the character and noticed the character. It's been nice. And it's also been like validating in terms of like, like my performance in the show. At the same time, I'm a little like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know mm-hmm. if you feel that way as well or not. Yeah, I love that your bio is like, I'm not good at this. I'm really <laughs> not good at this. It's so <laughs> it's so like sweet and down to earth. And it's like, no one is really good at it. It's yeah. such a, it's such a, the word I'm about to say is way overused. And I hate that I'm about to use it, but it feels so dystopian at times because it's one of those things where people say all the time, but until you get into that position, you don't actually believe it because it can't resonate. But did you have the experience of feeling like it was also like not literally fake, but it's like it's like this illusion that you see on your phone. And I remember I when that was happening, I was just like, why do I not feel totally. anything? It's just like there. And you're just like, I don't know how to respond or react to this. It's just happening. And I think everybody, they put like a following on this pedestal and then you get there and you realize well I haven't changed at all like this thing that people are following me for I did like a year and a half ago so I don't even feel like that same person I'd be curious to know if you've had like a up and down relationship because what I noticed is it happened I saw it as validation that I did a good job. I saw it as like proof that this is the right path but then it goes into this like weird like well now I'm noticing I'm changing the way I'm talking sometimes to please a wider audience and how do I stop doing that while also making sure I honor the fact that my new audience is a little bit like younger and there's there's a lot of weird like 
shifts and then you're like i shouldn't shift because i want to honor my authenticity but also it's it's weird that Um, thing that you were saying about like it feeling kind of fake that is exactly how it feels to me still honestly because in terms of like my like non-digital life like my life when my phone is off and i'm not mm -hmm. like on instagram it's like I'm auditioning more and I like have been having more opportunities that I wouldn't have had before. But otherwise, it's like really the same. I see the same people. I go to the same coffee shop. I like eat the same lunches. And then like you turn on the phone and there's like people commenting or messaging or like and it's like hard to believe because I think it's hard for your brain to like perceive that many people. And like, you know, the thing of like when you're in a dream, your brain can't create a new face. It's just like an amalgamation of like people that you know in real Mm -hmm. life I think it's sort of the same thing psychologically for me with like social media I'm like these people like it says these numbers but I'm like I can't I can't conceptualize it at all yeah it doesn't feel it's not tangible yeah totally I mean like we were saying I'm not good at social media so I think that there's also like a fear of like disappointing people following (laughs) that like I'm not gonna like deliver the content that they want, which is kind of silly because I don't, I'm not a content creator. (laughs) Like I'm not, that's not what I do, but you also like want people to, you know, be engaged and to like, like you, that's very human, I think. So it's a, it's a weird like mental block. Talking a little bit about your transition from Atlanta to LA, was it because you started doing online classes? Was it because you wanted to go to a bigger market? What were the reasonings behind the move? I started doing online classes at this new school in LA. And now I do some in-person classes as well. I wanted to transfer to a school in LA because I wanted to be in LA because in terms of being in a bigger market. And also I had worked on an indie with one of my best friends, Sarah, who she lives out here. And she encouraged me to like, since I was like 13, I was like, I want to live in California. Cause I'd visited a couple of times right before the pandemic. I went and visited Sarah and I was like, I have to do this. Like I have to be out here, but I, I've been here for like a year and a half now and I love it. And I feel very lucky to have found like the community that I have found here because Good. I've of my best friends, which has been really nice. I love that. So I I'm kind of curious. I went to LA. I was out there for two years. And the reason that I moved back to, I mean, there were some like financial reasons. A big reason I came back was because I had such a hard time building that community and I felt very isolated. What are some ways that you've been able to build that community of like-minded individuals? I mean, I wish that I had good advice, but I truly think I just got like ridiculously lucky the roommates that I was telling you about that I moved in with when we were strangers met each other for the first time they were just great and I still live with one of them and she just became like one of my best friends and then her boyfriend became one of my best friends and then like met their friends and then I had like another friend who I had a mutual friend with him and then I kind of like got to meet his community so I think I I don't know. I wish that I had better advice, but just being able to like find like a couple people that you really love and then like getting to meet some of their friends, like just, Mm -hmm. I think once you sort of like find that community, it'll just expand. The reason we were actually able to specifically connect and I wanted to give her a shout out was the badass Lily Keen. Y'all grew up in Atlanta together, right? Yeah. I think I met her when I was like maybe 14, Mm -hmm. maybe a little older than that. I'm not sure. But we were, we were 
yeah, I mean, we took like weekly acting classes together and she is just so talented and great. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen her in a little while, but I shout out to Lily. She's the best. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I'm so appreciative to her for being able to connect us. Her mom is one of my favorite people that I've ever met. Her mom, Lee, is like, she's been my biggest supporter for the longest time so i'm always gonna have a soft spot for the keens but um how did you and lee meet i've never met lee but that's she's so cool. she's incredible uh yeah she um i have this whole like baggage about my la story it i got very isolated because i was not prioritizing my time well and i was allowing myself to get obsessed with things that were reactive instead of proactively trying to like move myself forward. But all that to say, I'd been in LA for maybe a year and a half, honestly, I had no agent. And then Lee just finds my profile. I think it was on LA casting or something like that. Reaches out to me. It's like, Hey, you seem really cool. Uh, I'm trying to get new clients for my management company. I work with it just kind of, kind of went from there. She left that company to go be an agent herself was basically offered. Cause I had another agent at the time that she actually helped me get. And she was like, Hey, I could get you out of your contract if you would like to follow me, but no pressure. I understand. Lee was always my biggest champion, no matter what, going to where I know that I'm valued and where. Anyway, all that to say, I immediately was like, yes, give me the hell out of that contract. I'll come wherever you end up going to, no matter, no matter where it is. So are um, you, are you, by the way, are you in Texas right now? Is that where you are? Mm -hmm. What part of Texas are you in? I'm at a venue that's in Richardson that I managed throughout the week. We do like weddings and, and stuff like that. So that's why I have this gorgeous chandelier awesome. and it's funny. <laughs> very, should, very fancy. I'm obnoxious when I see wedding scenes in movies because I'm always like, those are the chairs that I have at my venue. If you had to choose one and there is always a long dramatic pause as people think about the answer to this. So feel free to take your time. What is the life mantra that you're working to live by? I'm obsessed with mantras because they're these things that if I'm going through anything throughout the day, I can just whisper in the back of my mind that mantra. Mine is celebrate privately, love publicly. Whenever I feel like I'm in a glitchy phase, I have to remind myself, okay, this is where the focus is. Let me put that in the frame of mind and that helps me move forward. Wait, I think I have one actually written down and it kind of has to do with acting, but I think it can be applied much more generally. I'm just going to spell the name. V-S-E-V-E-L-O-D. So Zevlod uh, okay. Meyerhold. The greatest enemy of beauty is prettiness. I heard that the other day. So that's why I sort of have it on the mind. But I think that in terms of like acting, that's so true because it's like to get to like something true, you have to kind of like ditch everything superficial or like surface level or like even just sort of that focus on self percept or like how you're being perceived by other people in life. Like you're going to have ugly moments and everything is temporary, but the most beautiful things are the things that aren't pretty because most of the time the things that are real and that last are not pretty. There's something, there's something more. One of my favorite like notes to give a scene that people have 
is muddy it up because I think sometimes as actors, it's like you said, we can get so attached to like it looking perfect and having this like solid, like it's like you said, it, it it's not real. It's not authentic. The beauty comes in those like raw kind of moments. And like I, when you I, say something and you're like, where did that come from? Or like you mm -hmm. take a pause and because you're just in it, you're not thinking about this pause is going to be appropriate here. Just like yeah. spontaneity. Yeah, you you get to surprise yourself. Yeah. It's always funny. This this always happens. I asked the last question and then like seven other questions come into my mind. I was similar to you where I did like years of auditioning before I ever like booked anything. And it's easy to get dejected and fall into that. Ah, no one wants me. So Malcolm Gladwell talks about this thing called the tipping point where you learn lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson until you finally learn that one lesson that puts you over that tipping point and everything clicks into place. What was that tipping point for you? Was there a specific lesson that you learned that you learned it and then boom, Eden came and it was like, oh, wait, why have I not been doing it like this before? My friend was... This was when I was feeling very dejected and very down and that sort of that feeling of like, nobody wants me. And my friend was like, Audrey, I think things are going to change for you when you stop worrying about being an actor and you just start being an actor. That was like, it's so obvious, but it's something that you need to hear verbalized because it then becomes less about like, where am I at in my career? Like these people are over here. Should I be over there? Should I be doing this? Or am I not doing enough? Or am I, do I want it too bad? Or like just all of these questions that can drive you crazy. But then when you kind of redirect that like untapped energy into like being the best that you can be by collecting all of the knowledge that you can and you know, delving into whatever it is that interests you or whatever you don't know about or you think that you should. And nine times out of 10, that's going to feel so much better and more validating than like sitting there wondering, like, what do I need to be doing to reach that next step of my career? Because that step is going to look different for everybody. Whatever you're passionate about, just consume as much as you can a bunch of interviews i listen to a bunch of my friends i talk to that is like one of the realizations that clicks everything into place is just oh i'm being an actor instead of just like existing in this moment and seeing kind of what happens so i appreciate you for coming on the show audrey this, this was so, much so fun cool. yeah it was it's so it was nice so to meet you even in this zoom format yeah, as well yeah i hate act asking actors what's next because that's like my dreaded question of like <laughs> but is there anything that you would like to plug any any like thing that you're excited about that you'd like to send people's attention towards well I did a short film recently with my friend Peter B Samuels it's called scary story you can go to I think mm -hmm. it's scary movie.com maybe some other things coming down the line in a little bit but we'll see um my Instagram is Audrey E Holcomb I think that is the only form of social media that I have I have Pinterest, but you don't need to know that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I uh, recurring joke-ish, it's probably not funny, is that I never know how to end these. So I like squirm for like 20 seconds being like, I don't know how to say goodbye. So... <laughs>